Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, we are revisiting an oldie but a goodie and a favorite of ours. We would like to thank Brewpoint Coffee for sending us not only our favorite, our stargazer that we've already talked about before, but we have one that we're trying today called the Naranjo. It's a Costa Rican blend, and its flavors are chocolate and orange citrus, and I'm living, I am loving, I'm laughing, live, laugh, loving (laughs) this coffee. It's so, so good. It's light roast for my light roast girlies out there. It's delicious. Um, I got a milk frother, so I don't know how to act now, but I made some, some cold, some foam, and it's just like delicious. It's like a little tree every morning, but love Brewpoint, love their coffee. We need to try more flavors because Stargazer is our favorite, cute packaging, cute name, tastes so good. Even it's a dark roast and it's amazing. I love my chocolate flavors. Which is so funny because that's a dark roast and this is a light roast. And I like them both pretty equally, even though I'm a dark roast girly. And I'm going to have to say, Brewpoint might be one of my favorites when it comes to packaging. I just think that like their whole aesthetic is very minimalist, but like perfect. So perfect. Yes. I love it. Uh, I love it. I'm going to have to take a page out of your little book and do some foam on mine tomorrow. What the heck? You didn't give me up yeah and do what i did so you have to do okay so for <laughs> those of you who don't know one of my favorite drinks at starbucks is getting an iced white mocha with oat milk and then instead of getting like regular sweet cream cold foam you get strawberry puree blended into the foam so it's pink yeah they really fumbled the bag they should have done this as a valentine's drink but they probably don't want to make them because it's probably annoying but I made it at home because I didn't want to leave my apartment, and it was amazing. All I did was, like, puree some strawberries and then put it in the milk and then took my little frother and frothed it up, and it was great. I'm doing it tomorrow. No questions asked. Yes, do it. It's a life-changing experience. Well, yes. Thank you again to Brewpoint Coffee for sending that over to us. We love you. We love your coffee and you guys are the best. Yes. Thank you so much. And I also wanted to give a thank you to our listeners from Spain. I woke up this morning to see that we have been charting pretty high over there on Apple Podcasts. So thank you guys so much for listening. It's so exciting. Guys, first Sylvania, (laughs) now Spain. We're taking over the world. People in the United States are going to start listening to us soon. (laughs) Where's our United States girlies at? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But straight up, um, my sister-in-law, they went to Spain and I didn't go. And I was so heartbroken because she came back and she's like, if there's one country I'm moving to eventually in my life, it's Spain. And I was like, dead gum. The only thing I really know of Spain is that the Cheetah Girls movie was there. Yes, it was in Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so shout out to Spain. I really would like to go there. And maybe we can that would be nice. have a coffee with some listeners. Wait, that's a, a really good, good idea. idea. 
If only we lived in the same place. (laughs) Well, you can go to coffee with some Chicago listeners and I will go to coffee with some Tampa Bay Area listeners. Wait, yeah. Let us, and actually let us know. But let us know if you guys would be interested in like a little crime and caffeine meetup at some local coffee shops. That would be so fun. I know. I would really love that. I love that all my friends are probably just going to be like, hey, you want to go get coffee now that you're going to just like do a meetup? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to think I'm going to pay for their coffee. At least you would have people show up, whereas I would (laughs) have two people there. It's all right. It's all right. Anyway, thank you guys so much for continuing to support us, continuing to listen to us. We are, I can't believe we're 40, what, three episodes in. I had somebody say that the other day. They were like, oh yeah, I remember you told me you had a podcast and they looked it up right in front of me and they're like, wait, how long have you had this podcast? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of crazy because it's it's almost been a year. That's insane. We'll have to do something big for our anniversary. I don't even know what that is, though, if I'm being honest. Um, I have it. I have our anniversary. anniversary But anyway, first episode. Guys, we're almost a year old. We're just babies here. We're just a bunch of little baby girls. Anyway, so thank you guys all for your continued support in the past almost year. And, you know, continue to follow us, continue to listen, continue to tag us in your stories, tell the people who you're listening to on Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays or whatever day you really like to listen. (laughs) If you listen on Wednesdays, though, you are a true fan. So thank you. Thank you to everybody who has listened and supported us. I like can't even begin to explain how crazy this whole thing has been and the fact that we've been doing this for almost a year and have made 43 episodes is just insane. Like we used to be sitting at our little desks at our little job that we hated and joking about how we wanted to start a podcast. And here we are. We were like, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start a podcast. Here we are. Speaking of which, what the heck case are you doing today? Yeah. So I'm back on my grind. I'm doing an unsolved case And I want to start doing more of these because I miss them. And this is one that I've been planning on doing for so long. Like I've had the draft of it just like in my Google Docs and I've came back to it so many times. I finally did it. So this is the unsolved disappearance of the Springfield Three. Springfield where? There's like and million Missouri. Three. Okay, I'm like Springfield, wait. Missouri. <laughs> Every state the Springfield, has a Springfield, Missouri three. <laughs> so true. Every state has a Greenville too. Really? Yeah. I just know, like, anytime I hear Springfield, I'm like, you have to specify because there's a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this took place in Springfield, Missouri, in the 90s. So, let's get into it. So we have Miss Stacy McCall. She was born on April 23rd, 1974 to Janice and Stu McCall. She had two older sisters. And Stacy became friends with Suzanne, a.k.a. Susie Streeter, in the second grade. Um, she, like, moved away for a little bit and then moved back with her family. And they were in high school together and they, like, rekindled their friendship. It was great. She wanted to attend Southwest Missouri State University and Rush. Had big plans for the future. 
at the time of everything. So in the 90s, when she was in high school, she worked as a receptionist at a gymnastics facility. And she also did some bridal modeling in her spare time. Wow. Yeah. I think family friends own a bridal shop. So she modeled some dresses for them, which is pretty cool. So like I said, one of her best friends was Susie Streeter. She was born March 9th, 1973 to Cheryl Levitt and Brent Streeter. They ended up getting a divorce when she was just a baby, and Cheryl moved them from Seattle to Springfield, Missouri in 1980. Susie worked at a local movie theater and planned to enroll in cosmetology school after graduation. So we've got Stacy and Susie are like best friends, and then we've got Susie's mother, Cheryl. So these are our, our sp- they're going to make up the Springfield three. So Stacy is 18. At this point, Susie is 19, and on June 6th of 1992, they graduate from Kickapoo High School. So it was like a really fun day. Stacy's family went out to dinner, took a bunch of pictures, and did all this, you know, like normal high school graduation type thing. I think um, Susie and Cheryl just ordered a pizza and like celebrated and stuff. So they did all their celebrating, and then that night, the girls planned to go to like a few grad parties. So Susie's mom, Cheryl, just a little backstory on her. She's 47 at the time. She was a single mom and she was a really successful cosmetologist at a salon. She had over 250 clients. Um, So she was doing pretty well for herself. Yes. She decided to stay home that night. And then, like I said, Stacy and Susie planned to go to a few graduation parties. So their plan originally had been to go party hop and then they were going to sleep at Either at a hotel, I think they were going to stay at a hotel first, and then the next day they were going to go with their friends to a water park, but instead they ended up, they went to go sleep at their friend's house, and the friend had like a bunch of family staying over for graduation, and they were like, you know what, let's just go stay at Susie's house, way too much going on here, and then they would just Mm -hmm. go to the water park the next day, like meet up with them. So... Like I said, Cheryl stayed home that night, the mom, and she was hanging out at home and doing chores and things like that. Um, She was on the phone with her friend and told her that she was painting like a wardrobe and a chair. But that was the last anyone had heard from her was at 11.15 p.m. when she spoke to her friend on the phone. So Stacy and Susie were last seen leaving a party at around 2 a.m. Like I said, they originally went to their friend's house. Her name was Janice to sleep there. Decided, no, let's just go to Susie's. It's believed that they made it home fine because all of their belongings were there. Their cars were in the driveway. Like, all three of their cars were in the driveway. All of their purses were still there. That's the last thing that could be confirmed about them is that, yes, they made it home. Like, we have no idea what happened after that. So the following day, like I said before, they were supposed to go to a water park with their friend Janice and her boyfriend. And they were calling them, got no answer, nothing. And so... In the morning, they went to Susie's house to check on them, and they realized nobody was home, but all, like I said, all three ladies' cars were parked at the residence, and they saw that their purses were all still there with everything in them. There was money in them, keys, like everything was there. Cigarettes were there, and they thought this was really significant because, so Cheryl and Susie both smoked a lot. Cheryl was literally a chain smoker. Like, she wouldn't go somewhere without her cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So... It was very clear that, yes, they were all gone, but none of them had planned to leave. Cars are there, all their belongings. Um, Their bathrooms also showed signs that the girls had taken off their makeup and their jewelry and changed into their PJs before, like, getting ready for bed. So, like, 
they got ready for bed and got into bed at some point. Uh, Cheryl's bed had been slept in, everything. Like, Susie's bed looked slept in. Um, and Stacy's clothes that she had worn or, like, that she was planning on wearing the next day were, like, neatly laid out by Susie's bed. And it's believed that she left the house wearing just a t-shirt and underwear. So you can kind of, like, start to piece things together. It seems that whether they left because they were, like, forced or, like, willingly or, like, whatever happened, it was while they unplanned. were sleeping, I feel like. Yeah. yeah definitely. definitely. Unplanned. Yeah. Um, so the front – they noticed that the front door was unlocked. So they could just, like, go in, like, look around. That's how they were able to see all that stuff. Um, but there was also, like, a little light outside the front porch, and it was shattered. For some reason, they cleaned this up, and they went inside and started cleaning the whole place up. No. What? Like, no. They're like, oh, wow, our friends and their mom are missing. This is weird. Let's clean everything. What? Who? Why, who, why did you think that was a good idea? It's very suspicious, too. Mm -hmm. It sure is. And just wait, because they do some other questionable things. Mm -hmm. um, the dog was still there. Like I said, didn't call 911, decided to clean things up. They cleaned up all the glass from that broken light. There was like a window blind that was messed up and all bent, and they fixed it. Okay, why? They cleaned the dishes. They dumped out ashtrays from the, them smoking. Like, wh why? First There's of all. So much, so much DNA. Just got this, rid of. So this is not your house. Why are you doing this? I, what, what was their intention here? What was the intention? Because I don't care if you're my best fucking friend. I, you don't need to be doing that ever. There is never a time for that, especially if you think maybe I was abducted. I'm last thing I'm thinking of is god damn, I hope someone cleans my house. What? Like there was no reason for this. Yeah, I really don't understand where this is going. Yeah, it's really weird. And there's interviews, they do interviews where they talk about what happened and it's just super strange, but something that was also huge was they said that while they were there, the phone rang a few times and they picked it up and it was a man who was very rude. And when asked to further elaborate on this, they said, well, it, he was like spewing a lot of lewd sexual content. They were like, okay, maybe it's just like a prank phone call, like graduation, haha, funny. And so the first time they answered, the second time I, they might have answered and been like, stop calling or like something like that. The third time he left a message and they deleted the message. Okay, what first of all, when you graduate high school, did you prank call people cuz that's like not what we were doing. Honestly, probably. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe college. <laughs> and then like second of all, oh, who, who are these friends and why are they doing absolutely everything wrong? Yeah, I I don't know. They're really sketchy. Um, so Stacy's mom luckily was the next to arrive. She went in and saw all their stuff and was like, yeah, fuck no. Um, so she immediately called the police and police came and what do you know, they had literally nothing to go off of because the entire house had been clean and the voicemails were erased. Great. So I hope they're happy. They got some tips from neighbors. So some neighbors said that they saw a man near the house in the days leading up to the disappearance of the women. Uh, police did release a sketch on June 15th, 1992 of a man with long hair and a full beard. 
I don't really think anything came of that. But they also got some tips about this van that people said that they also saw around the home and like in the neighborhood. And so they bought this exact same van and then like released a bunch of photos and stuff of it just to see if anybody had recognized it. One witness even said that she saw Susie driving the van, crying really hard, bawling her eyes out under distress and claimed to have heard a man yelling at her, telling her not to do anything stupid. I don't really think they got very far with this. Obviously, that's kind of a hard thing to like look into or prove. I don't really know how you would prove that. So nothing really came of that. In police minds, they're thinking, all right, this was either just like a completely random abduction, random guy that they don't know, or like maybe they did know that was obsessed with them, planning to abduct them, or just like some random thing. Like he saw them coming home from graduation parties that night or or like a neighbor had been watching them or this has something to do with Cheryl, the mom, someone in her past. So they decided to look into her history as well. So Cheryl married her first husband, Brent Streeter in 1964 in Seattle. Um, I mentioned this before, but the two divorced shortly after Susie was born. She then met her second husband, Don Levitt in 1980 they ended up getting a, a divorce in 1989. So neither of those men were persons of interest, but I think they were just trying to get an idea. Was she dating anyone that was sketchy? Because if the girls came home to a guy that Cheryl had been dating, they wouldn't think anything of it because they knew them. So it wouldn't be like alarming to them. Wouldn't have been thrown off if their car was in the driveway or something. So they entered the house. That would be a reason why they want to look into those men. But I don't really think anything came of, like, a guy that she'd been seeing at the moment um, unless it was, like, she just kept it to herself. There really was nobody um, that they could think of. They looked into her son that she had with her first husband. His name was Bart Streeter. So he was an addict and he had a history of violence when he was under the influence. So... There was even like a situation where he got violent with Susie at his apartment. I think when he was drunk, he was like throwing things at her and stuff like that. So they looked into him, but he was like, listen, when this happened, I was literally unconscious on my couch. You can ask anybody that I lived with, my girlfriend, like I was literally passed out from being under the influence. This, this story was corroborated and everything and he passed a polygraph test. So he was ruled out, but they did look into him at one point. On June 24th, a waitress at George's Steakhouse said that she saw three women at the diner between 1 and 3 a.m. and that Susie was drunk and her mom was trying to calm her down. Uh, this was never corroborated or anything. I honestly don't think this is true. I wouldn't see how this is true since the girls didn't even make it home from the parties until like 2.15. Like by the time they, you know, got home and then went to this place, which I who drove because they were drunk. I don't know. I just, I don't really see that as being true. It just doesn't make sense. Why would Cheryl just like get, I'm, I'm going to assume that Cheryl was asleep, either dead or asleep. We'll get into like what the possibilities are, but I don't really okay. see her like waking up and being like, all right, let's go to a diner. All right. I'm up now. We're going to go eat. <laughs> um, on January 2nd, 1993, so this was six months after um, they disappeared, an anonymous 
person called into America's Most Wanted to try and speak with investigators claiming that they had information about the case, but they were disconnected when they tried to connect with police. But I guess they had some valuable information. They tried to get back in contact with whoever the hell this was, but they couldn't figure it out. So that was a dead end. In February, police believe that it might have been the work of one or more serial killers, but nothing has ever been able to really come of this. And then in 1997, Susie and her mother were declared legally dead, but they're still being worked on as missing persons. Um, Stacy has not been declared legally dead. Her parents don't want to do that until a body's found. Um, so there were some people that were persons of interest, but there was never a formal suspect. Um, one of those people was Robert Craig Cox, who had been convicted of killing a 19-year-old woman in Florida in 1978. So he said that he knew the women were murdered and that they were buried somewhere in Springfield. What the hell does this random man from Florida have to do with Springfield? Well, he'd lived there and was a utility worker the year of 1992. Hmm. Now, I don't know a lot about abduction and murder, but... A utility worker would be a pretty good ruse to get three girls out of a house or to get into their house, especially when two or three of them are drunk. Like, Mm -hmm. easily say there was a problem with something and you had to look at something or, like, you need to leave the house because of X, Y, Z. Could understand that situation. Makes a lot more sense than the leaving in the middle of the night to go to a diner. Yeah, I don't know. So he also strange. He had once worked as a mechanic at the same place that Stacy's father was employed. So it could just be like a crazy, crazy coincidence, or like this is a huge company, millions of people have worked for them. Like I have no idea, but just thought it was strange. Mm-hmm. So originally. He lied about his alibi. He said that he and his girlfriend were at church. And then his girlfriend later retracted the statement and admitted that they lied and that she was not with him that morning. So though he was considered like the main person of interest, they literally had no evidence that could connect him other than a few coincidences. He ended up, his conviction for murdering this 19-year-old girl ended up getting thrown out. And he ended up getting off for what he did, and he was free. And her family was very upset about it. They actually saw the Springfield 3 on the news and thought after seeing that he had been in Springfield that year, they were like, yeah, he absolutely had something to do with it. Um, They definitely, I want to say to this day, they still reach out to him about the case, trying to get information. But I want to say the last time they did, he said he wasn't going to help anymore because – people in prison were starting to look at him differently for like helping the cops. And I just think he didn't Uh, want any like beef with people in prison, which is understandable. But I mean, maybe he just truly had nothing to do with it. I'll hold him in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the back there. So this is interesting. Shortly before her disappearance, Susie had broken it off with a boyfriend named Dustin Reckla, who He and a couple of his friends had been arrested for what was called felony institutional vandalism. And this was because he and his friends broke into Springfield's Maple Park Cemetery and did some grave robbing. And they stole gold teeth out of skulls and then 
pawned them for, I think they made like $30 off of it, which I don't really know how much that was in the 90s. Maybe it was worth more. Still, still not that different. Yeah, don't definitely wasn't worth it. In the but, 90s, I was, I was going to all the pawn shops with my mom. That $30 for gold teeth. That's not it. <laughs> so... She actually agreed to testify against us and his friends. She was going to do this in a few months. Um, so people were kind of theorizing like, oh, maybe they did this so she wouldn't testify. Revenge, like make sure she doesn't rat them out. But I think abduction and murder is way worse than robbing some teeth out of a grave. So this just would not have made sense. It would have made things way, way worse for a lesser crime. Just not not really seeing that as being pos- possible, but I just no. didn't want to point that out. <laughs> um, so there was also a man named Steve Garrison, who this one's interesting. I don't know how I feel about it, but in 1993, he was arrested on a weapons charge, and he claimed that he had information about what happened to the girls and that a friend had drunkenly confessed to killing them at a party to him one night. And so he was fleeing from police and literally committed a sexual assault in the process and ended up going to prison. But he led them to a farm where he claimed the bodies were buried. They didn't find any bodies, but they did say they found other items, but they wouldn't disclose any info about this. So I have no idea what those items were, if they had anything to do with this case or any case. They never came out and said what they were? No, and that's especially when it comes to like these missing people cold cases, they police hold a lot of information. The Delphi murders, they're definitely sitting out a lot of information that they haven't released with that just to keep the investigation running smoothly. Um yeah. like I know they did that with Brian Laundry. So there's definitely things about this that we don't know, which is super frustrating because it's been 30 years. Strangely enough, he also said that a moss green van was – he believed that this was used to take the women 12 miles away. I don't know how he knew all this, but it was just interesting that he said the same van. Who had said the moss green van to? Neighbors. Neighbors, okay. I was like, I remember you saying it, but I've already forgot. Okay, the neighbors. Which, like, if he'd been keeping up with the case and had seen the police release the info, obviously you can say whatever you want, but I think he had other things on his mind around those times. Yeah, also I feel like it's a weird tidbit to just point out. Mm -hmm. And, like, the 12 miles thing, knowing the location was super weird to me. Yeah. So people also theorize that it could have been kind of a neighbor who had been watching them and planned to have either became obsessed with Cheryl or whoever because they made a really good point, which I didn't think about. They said that it was interesting that those calls happened while people went into the house to look for them, saying that if it was a neighbor who abducted them, they could have been watching and like purposely called when those people went in as kind of like a red herring. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was definitely interesting. People also think that, which who knows what the reasoning for this could have been, but that shattered light on the front porch might have been used as a ruse to get them out of the house if they heard that and they went to go like see what happened. Or obviously it could have just like broken a struggle, 
something like that. But I thought that was an interesting point about like having it be a roost yeah. out of the house. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Obviously, yeah. like, well, maybe I'm a little bit paranoid, but if I heard my front light burst, and you have to think. Now we have so much technology. I could check my ring doorbell, mm-hmm. but if it was the 90s, I'd obviously have to go see, like, what the hell just happened. Damn. That's a good yeah, and I like that theory. You have to think about a household of three women. I just feel like they're not going to be, like, they're going to be more bold because they don't have a man there that's going to go check it. Right. So one of them's going to go check it, especially if one of them is drunk. They're going to go see what happened. Yeah. Damn. Okay. That was a good one. Yeah. And we have to remember this wasn't any type of robbery gone wrong. All of their belongings were in those purses still. They had money, everything. So this was either someone that they knew that planned to abduct them or someone they didn't know that saw them and did it. But I definitely think either someone came in while they were sleeping or I think that Cheryl, the mother, had someone over or someone came to the house before the girls were home and killed her and then was waiting. I don't really know why they would be waiting, but... Did they say anything about that? Was there any signs of anybody else being in the house with the mom before? No? Or did they no, and if they weren't, it was, it, it was cleaned up. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. It's like any any signs of anything would have been cleaned up. Like what the window blinds could have just been messed up because they were messed up. But I don't know. I think that's pretty weird. And to like go and fix that is so strange. It's one thing to tidy up shattered glass that's right in the walkway because you don't want someone to get hurt. It's another to like go out of your way to like change something like that. Like super, super weird to me. Were they ever questioned? They had to be questioned because they were the ones who found the crime scene in the first place. But I don't like they were never persons of interest at all. How? The, you, I feel like a lot of these cases really get me just riled up because there's so many things that could be possible, especially with an unsolved case. But they're not even looking at all of the different scenarios. I get that these are their friends or people that know them really well. But don't you think that it's everything they did was sketchy? As a cop, I would look at look at that and be like, mm, "Bet not." Hundred percent agree. And like, you can go watch these interviews with them on YouTube. The friends talking about it so many years later, and it's just like, what the hell were you thinking? And Kind of the way that they talk about um, Susie and her mother is like, I don't know, kind of weird. They didn't seem like they were good friends at all. But you also have to think, what would the motive be? And we knew that Janice had been home that night. They were at her house and left her house. I feel like it's nothing that happened in the morning. This didn't happen at 9 a.m. when they went over there. This is something that happened between the hours of 2 a.m. and whatever time there's a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle for sure i don't know what do you think is the most probable scenario i'm i guess i'm having a little bit of a hard time because all of them there's really no glaring Mm -hmm. one that you mentioned that but like all of them that you mentioned i was like yeah i guess yeah i guess 
I think that the guy who was the utility worker and some worked for one of their like families at one point, I feel like that's very sketchy. And especially the age that those girls were at, he probably knew that, you know, she was a single mom and she had these two girls in the house. Like he could have easily done something and being a utility worker, he has a lot of supplies. Mm -hmm. And his first victim was 19 years old. So that's the same exact age that Susie was and almost the same age as Stacy. So fix his victim of choice for sure. Exactly. And then the other thing that stood out to me was mostly just the light situation. I do think that that could have been, even if it was the guy who I was just talking about or somebody else, that could have been a very easy way to get somebody to answer the door and make it look like nobody broke in. You you know, nothing was out of the ordinary um, because it clearly had to be that way. If no, there was no signs of for- forced entry or anything like that, it just looks like they literally vanished in the middle of the night, like abducted by aliens or something. I have no idea. A hundred percent. And that's interesting too, like about that ruse that kind of goes along with the, it could have been a neighbor theory, a neighbor just being like, Hey, like I noticed this was broken. Like, I just wanted to make sure no one broke in the concerned neighbor. And then they come out abducted. But exactly. I mean, and you know, they said there were no signs of a struggle. That doesn't mean that they weren't woken up at gunpoint in a deep sleep and forced out of the house. If you were woken up at gunpoint, you would literally just leave and not put up a struggle whatsoever. At least I hope. Oh, I mean. Yeah, I know. hundred percent. And if it was a neighbor who did the whole light ruse, the calling the house the next day when you see people are there makes sense too. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it had to have been somebody who was – Maybe not a neighbor, but somebody who definitely familiar. knew the area and was familiar with it to mm-hmm. for just all of those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but that's kind of could fit it? along with if Cheryl had been dating someone and Stacy um, and Susie like knew who this person was. So they weren't surprised when they saw his car in the driveway or like something like that. All possible. It's just insane that – Whatever this person did, they pulled it off and nobody knows. That's crazy. Do you think like – this is what I always think in my head when I hear something like this. Is the person in jail? Like what is the person doing now where they can just like live with themselves? Like did they do it again? Like what are they doing? Well, you have to think they got away with it. So I think they're definitely doing it again unless they're in jail, which I also think is definitely a possibility given that our two most probable persons of interest were both also in jail for committing similar crimes to people of the same age. Both of these men were in jail for violent crimes against women of around the same age. So I definitely think it's safe to say that this person is in jail or dead, but definitely this wasn't their first or last time. Yeah, but that is the open-ended, unsolved case of the Springfield Three. That one just kind of blows my mind because, like you said, like it could literally be they were abducted by aliens because they straight up left their house either by force or just – I don't even know. Springfield, man. <laughs> It's where the aliens play. 
Well, it's interesting because this area near the Ozarks area, right? So there's a lot of, if you ever look into disappearances by or in the Ozarks, there's a lot of weird stuff. A lot of weird stuff. Um, definitely a fun little rabbit hole. Do do you remember the one case that we were talking about in the fall of the girl that was in the cage and then the men were arrested and the house burned down? That yeah. was in the Ozarks. Oh, my God. Yeah. So maybe we can do a little case on some happenings over there at one point. We'll have to do an Ozarks case, but we're going to have to talk like the characters in the show. <laughs> oh, my God. People keep telling me to watch it, and I <laughs> – I tried and could not get into it. I honestly haven't seen one episode. It's just been on my TikTok. So like, I kind of know what's going on, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I have not watched. Wow. That case is really going to just throw me off. This is why I don't enjoy a good unsolved case because Thor really, (laughs) He's got his own theories. He's itching to know what's going on. He's itching to know what happened to these girls. Oh, my gosh. What? Like, how? I really don't understand. Obviously, aliens didn't do it. That's not my true theory. But it just makes me wonder how different it would be if it weren't for those two idiot friends going there and cleaning up and, like, literally cleaning house, deleting the voicemails. Like, would they have been able to go off that voicemail? What? No, so bizarre. And thank you guys for listening. Let us know what your theories are on the Springfield 3, what you think might have happened, because this is just going to be eating away at us. We're going to, in our Instagram caption, when we post this case, we'll ask you guys what your theories are. So make sure you comment and let us know. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, go ahead. It's at Crime on Caffeine. As well as Twitter, Facebook, everything is just crime on caffeine. Yes. And I'm looking for some good murder cases. So if you guys would like to recommend a coffee or recommend a case, please DM us on Instagram or you can just email us at crimeoncaffeine at gmail.com or you can submit a case on our website. It's just like a quick pop up right when you get on the website. So it's easy to find. Um, but yeah, I really need some new cases and we always, always need new coffee. Yes. If you guys have any unsolved cases that you want me to do, let me know, please. I think I have a few in mind, but I want to stick to that right now. (laughs) Don't give her the cases. I don't like them. (laughs) They drive me nuts. (laughs) Thank you guys. And we'll catch you on the next one.